Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Then I saw, if I can draw your attention to that last verse that I just finished reading. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him, Rabboni, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to welcome you. It's Sunday morning. It's Vision Sunday. I know I've been talking quite a bit, and I I assume that when we talk vision and we say that it's going to be Vision Sunday, that the assumption is that I'm going to share my vision or I'm going to talk about the vision that God has given me and I'm going to talk about what God is showing me about world overcomers. And I suppose that that is a part of what may happen today, although it doesn't really help me to show you what I see if you can't see. So uh, before I get all caught up in what I see or what I think I see or what I know I see, what God is saying to me, it's way easier to talk to somebody about what God has shown you when God has shown them something. Somebody that's already used to having conversations with God is not all that blown away by somebody else that has a conversation with God. A conversation with God sounds foreign if you ain't never had one. Somebody tell you that God spoke to them in their car? That sounds crazy unless God has talked to you in your car. Somebody telling you God said something to them through their four-year-old sounds insane unless your four-year-old has ever opened up her mouth and said something that you were like, that God. And so before I say what I see, and I don't know how much time I'm going to have left to say what I see because I wanted to jump off of blind Bartimaeus, but the truth of the matter is the blind Bartimaeus story is just so full of so much that I can't lay it out here without picking it apart just a little bit, and I hope it'll find somebody wherever they are. Number one, it says in the beginning, then they came to Jericho. So that's just a reconfirmation of a word I've been saying on a regular basis, and that is he's a moving God. Tell somebody he's a moving God. He's a, he's a moving God. He's not a sitting still God. He's not a stuck God. He's not a stuck in one place God. He's not a stuck in one way God. I'm glad you're here, but he's not housed here. You can't keep him in this room. You can't keep him in a box. You can't keep him on a stage. You can't keep him in a man. You can't keep him in a statue. You can't keep him in a book. He's bigger than the book. 
He's bigger than it because he's a moving God and he's on his way somewhere. This passage says, then they came to Jericho. Now, if you're familiar with Jericho, Jericho alone can mean something to you. Because Jericho is a place that prays not down. I'm just going to keep on preaching like I'm preaching in one of them screamy, shouty black churches. Jericho is a place where there were walls keeping somebody out of where their next level was. Jericho was the doorstop to Canaan. Jericho was on the way to a manifestation in the earth of what God promised somebody. Jericho is the manifestation of 400 years of slavery being broken in seven days. Jericho is the confirmation of the promise of the deliverer. Jericho is a moment where praise did something it don't normally do. Folks praise all the time and walls don't get knocked down. They blow trumpets all the time and walls don't get knocked down. So if you have walls up right now that are keeping you outside of whatever your next level is, First of all, you have to know what your current level is. Number two, you have to have the faith and the courage to believe that your current level is not your last level. Let me just say that to somebody. This is the comma, baby. This ain't the period. This is the comma, baby. This is, this is chapter six. You got six more chapters to write. This is not the end of my story. Keep checking on me and see what happens in the third part of my book. So Jericho is a barrier between the next level. But for all of the Bible scholars in the room, you know that when Jericho got knocked down, then God put a curse on Jericho. And God said, whoever decides to rebuild Jericho will be dealing with curses. And so what has happened is somebody has decided to rebuild something God has cursed. And even though it's a cursed thing, Jesus still decides to visit there. So anybody in the room like me who is finding yourself Bumping up against generational curses and bumping up against eternal curses and bumping up into the curse of your color or the curse that is attached to your sex or the curse that's attached to whatever it is that's holding you back. And whenever the enemy tries to tell you, yeah, you're cursed, there's a curse on you. You can't break out of that. Your mama was this way and you that way. Your daddy was this way and you that way. Your grandparents were cursed with poverty. Hey, you going to be cursed with poverty. I just want you to know that just because there's a curse there don't mean Jesus won't go there. Oh, that must be for somebody besides just me. You can tell me there's a curse if you want, but this passage says that Jesus went down 
to the cursed place. Jesus is not scared of whatever the curse is supposed to be. He is the curse breaker. He is the curse lifter. For the Bible says, cursed is any man who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessings of Abraham could come on the curse. So the curse is broken because he became a curse for us. And maybe that's why he's in Jericho. Maybe he's in Jericho just to show somebody that he'll go to the cursed place because he's about to take curses on himself anyway to break free everybody who thinks they're under the curse. I ain't even out the first verse yet. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, are leaving the city. I can so much there. I'm going to leave it alone. There's disciples and there's crowd. You got to figure out where you are. Who are you? Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you a crowd somebody? Are you just there to see the miracles? Or are you trying to actually have a conversation with him? Are you trying to get an explanation of the word? Or do you just want to eat the bread? I could just be here forever. While they're leaving, a blind man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, is sitting by this roadside begging and he heard that it was Jesus and he began to shout out Jesus son of David have mercy on me there's a thin line between worship and begging for mercy if you find yourself in the begging place I have found myself in the begging place there it's not a nice place to be when you are waiting for favor that you don't deserve. The good thing about favor is you don't have to deserve it. And what's more is you can't deserve it. But the other thing about begging is that begging and worship ain't far from one another. You already on your knees begging, you might as well pray. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. Your heart is overwhelmed, you might as well call on God. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking to me about someone close to them, and, and they were saying, hey, just, they just have, they don't want to have anything to do with church. They don't want to have anything to do with God. They're just far. I'm trying to get them to come. They're just, they don't, they, they know about God, but they just have, they don't have, want to have anything to do with God. I said, wow, that's tough. I said, because sometimes when that's your attitude, the way you get there is that God puts you on your knees, or life puts you on your knees. I wonder if I have a witness just in the room or watching around the world. Somebody who thought you were somebody until cancer put you on your knees. You thought you were somebody till someone dying put you on your knees. You thought you were somebody until you lost what you thought you had and you found yourself begging for mercy. Begging and worship ain't far. And what I want the Lord to do is I want him to know that he doesn't have to reduce me to begging for me to pray. 
Can I get you to humble your knee before life humbles it? My God. Can I get you to humble your knee before something happens that puts you on your knees? Can I get you to do it on your own instead of doing it because you ain't got nothing to do but do it? Can I get you to worship God before your back's up against the wall? I know you'll do it when your back's up against the wall, but can I get you to praise him before it's the only thing you can do? not a big leap. If you're in this room and you find yourself in the begging spot, then just it's okay because it's not a big leap. And just because you're down don't mean God can't hear you from on high. There's just too much in here. Verse 48, it says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You know why? Because when you're already out, when you're already not in the in crowd, when you already don't have the right stuff on, when you are already in the begging spot, if you already don't have no money, if you already don't have no job, if you already don't have no hope, if you already don't have any peace, then the last thing you need to do is be quiet. The last thing I'm about to do is keep my mouth shut when I need him. Now, I might be cute and quiet when I look like I'm doing good, but if I have nothing else to do, I will say something to God. I need somebody. Maybe I'm not by myself, but I need somebody to say, oh, I'll say something to God. Oh, I'll say something to God, especially if I'm already embarrassed, especially if I already don't look right, especially if I already have the bigger cloth on. What you going to say to me? I don't fit in? Nothing more dangerous than a people who have been kept out for so long that they have decided they have nothing else to lose. I don't know if you saw that movie Braveheart, but when they, right before, I don't know, I'm sure it was a theatrical dramatization of the situation, but when they, they're torturing him, and then they lean down to him, the prisoner would like to speak, and he's, they've disemboweled him, they've emasculated him, he's laying, they're cutting him open, I don't know what you thought they were doing to him when he was laying there on his back, and they, he said to have something to say, they're trying to get him to cry for mercy, and he wouldn't cry out for mercy and they leaned down to him and he said freedom because freedom is all that matters when you're a slave and if you have to die to get free then bring it on it's amazing how many of us are determined to maintain a life in which we are shackled We're so desperate just to have life that death scares us. They're trying to get him to be quiet. He shouts all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I don't think you have ever been in God's presence if you don't say mercy. 
Let me tell you how you know folk are just being spiritual and churchy and trying to impress you that they're deep. They are not humbled. Anybody who really sees God ends up on their knees. Anybody who really sees an angel ends up scared half to death. I need a witness. Anybody who ever comes into contact with the Almighty God says, Lo, I am unworthy. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king. You don't see God if you still think you're great. You ain't had encounter with God the first. If you still think you're good and you still think you're perfect and you still think you're in the right place, if you are telling me that you had an encounter with God and you left there with somebody, some kind of belief that you or your bloodline has some kind of divine right to rule, you are talking foolishness. When you get done face to face with God, you will wonder why was he talking to you at all because his greatness and his holiness is so much that it'll make you come to grips with who you really are. I'm not even in it. I'm just, just talking. I'm sorry. It's just here. It's just here. It's just here that, 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 that if I really see God, I want mercy. If I hear Jesus is coming by, I want mercy. If I hear he heals somebody in the room, I want mercy. If I hear he heals somebody on, on the screen, I want mercy. If I get around somebody sitting in the middle of their miracle, I want mercy. As soon as I got to John Hanna's vision, my second time there, as soon as I got to John Hanna's vision, I to his building, I figured I'd go there before I was supposed to talk on vision. And I went there. It's my second time there. As soon as I saw from the outside, I said, Lord, have mercy. As soon as I got inside, I said, Lord, have mercy. As soon as I got into the back rooms, I said, Lord, have mercy. He said, let's have a meeting on the stage. I said, all right. Why are we having it on the stage? He said, because I want to set up chairs on the stage because I want you to sit and look at God's mercy on me so you can believe God can have mercy on I sat and looked at the mercy of God on him and the whole time I just sat there and said God have mercy Lord have mercy Lord have mercy Jesus son of David have mercy on me I know I don't deserve it but have mercy I know I've made mistakes but have mercy I know I'm just a man but have mercy I need a witness right here I know that my mouth gets me in trouble but have mercy I know I'm in pain, but have mercy. I know I've talked a bunch of junk, but have mercy. I know I've showed all of my fears, but have mercy. I know that my heart is overwhelmed. Can you have mercy? I know that I don't always do the right stuff. Can you just have mercy? I know I don't know all the scriptures, but can you just have mercy? I know I don't have the right clothes, but can you just have mercy? Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need a witness. I'm a sinner because all of us are sinners, ain't we? Ain't we? 
All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ain't a nobody in here right. Ain't a nobody in here right. Ain't a nobody in here right. Ain't a nobody in here ready to judge nobody else in here. And if somebody did, that'd be the very person that is dealing with the problem the most. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I can't get out of it, Pastor Al. I can't, I can't get out of it, son. Then he says, Jesus stops and says, call him. I want you all to notice that Jesus doesn't call him. Jesus says to his disciples, call him. What that means, beloved, is there are people too far away from Jesus to hear him and your job is to call them you are waiting for me to call them but they are way too far away from me for me to call them the Lord didn't save you just to talk to you he saved you so he can get you to call somebody who can't see I feel the Holy Ghost on that one. The reason why you can see is so you can tell somebody how once you were blind, but now you can see. And you got to be looking for who you can call for the Lord. I do it on a regular basis. I've been doing it forever. I don't wait for people to volunteer. I draft people. I go up to people and I tell them, the Lord hath need of you. I don't even tell people they need God. I tell people God needs them. They're like, the Lord needs me? I said, yep, the Lord needs you. The Lord hath need of you. The Lord has need of you. Why does he need me? He needs you because there is something about you. There is a uniqueness about you. There is a design in you. No fingerprints are like your fingerprints. No hair is like your hair. Ain't nobody got your DNA. There are folk that you can talk to that will never listen to me. Oh, let me bring you to my church so you can hear my pastor. Whatever. On the way, you need to be talking to them. Because maybe there's a word in your mouth. I'm going to speak that over the room right now. You got a testimony. You have been through things I ain't been through. I ain't no woman. I don't know what you're all going through with all of that. Ain't never bled. Not my nose, but other than that, I don't know. Don't want to know. Let me stay serious. <laughs> get to the place where I want to get to. Verse 51, where they call him on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. <laughs> he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Some of us have a cloak on us that weigh us down from coming to Jesus. His cloak was a cloak of begging, Troy. But it, it might be that your cloak is the cloak of how people think you are, and you are way too proud if you're too proud to come to Jesus. 
I know what it's like to think about how you look and your view. I get that, but that's way too much. If you are too dignified to say hallelujah, you are entirely too dignified. If you are too hard, I got you. Nobody's trying to get you to be soft. But if you are too hard to hallelujah, you are too hard. Bruh, bruh, part of the reason why half this church is men is so you can know that you can still be a man and still love the Lord. I need a brother to say something. You can still be a man. You can say hallelujah with some bass in your voice. You, you can say hallelujah. You ain't got to say hallelujah. No, you can say hallelujah. I need, where my brother? I need, you can say no, God is in my life. You can say no, I can be hard as I want to, but I still need him every hour. Some of us, the cloak we carry is too heavy. He throws his cloak aside. He's ready to let go of whatever wrapped him or whatever defined him or whatever folks saw when they saw him first. He threw it aside and ran to Jesus and got me to the point that took me almost 20 minutes to get to, 30 minutes to get to, but I'm almost done because I said I was tired, although I feel like preaching. In verse 51, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I don't know about you. I've been preaching this passage for years. I've been preaching since I was 15. And so there are many perspectives I have on Scripture that are still from when I was 15 and 16 and 17 and 18. You'll have to forgive me after 40 years of preaching. But when I first saw this, first preached this passage, I think I was 16 when I first preached it. And I've been preaching it for over 40 years. But I thought that this was a ridiculous question. <laughs> I mean, the man's blind. He's screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus calls him, and he comes, and Jesus says, how can I help you? <laughs> There's a part of me that want to be like, I feel like if I was him, I'd have been like, what do I want? <laughs> it's obvious what I want. What do you mean? What do you want me to do for you? Thankfully, I have matured, and there's a number of things that the Lord has said to me as to why he asked him this question. One of the reasons why is because you can't get it unless you voice it. I need somebody to say something. If you are in here and you want something from God, you better open up your mouth and say whatever it is. You can't sit around waiting for him to read your mind. You better have the boldness to make a confession and say, God, I want my own job. I want my own business. I want my own home. I want to be debt free. I want my teenager to stop acting crazy, my Lord. I want my two-year-old to sleep all night in her own bed. Oh, hallelujah. I have a specific thing I want from God. I'm not going to be a punk and hide behind the word blessing. 
If all you're saying is God bless me, you are too scared to speak specifically about what you want God to do for you because you don't want your feelings hurt if it don't come to pass. I'm going to speak this over the room. Let me break that off of you right now because if you won't be specific, you won't see specific. Can I get a witness? Anybody in here got something specific? Anybody in here right now? You're thinking to yourself, Lord, if you cracked those doors, if you walked in here, I could tell you exactly what I want. I know exactly what I want. I, I have it in my mind. It's always there. Elder Perkins, it's all, it never leaves me. I'm always thinking about what I need God to do for me. I go to churches, Troy, and they say, we did not come to ask you for anything. I say, y'all didn't come to ask him for anything except for the privilege to glorify your name. I'm like, what? The Lord don't need my praise. He got angels that sing way better than me. The reason why I praise him is so I can feel him. I'm like, oh, my God. Now I'm in your presence. And the Lord is like, how can I help you? Oh, Lord, if you're asking me how you can help me, let me tell you, how many wishes do I get? How, how many things? Is it one thing? Is it three? Are you genie and Aladdin? When I saw that movie, I said, I need a Holy Ghost lamp. On my way down here, on my way here, because I live in this Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina. I ain't in Charlotte. I'm in Raleigh-Durham. This is where God lives right now. Fastest growing part of the country. God lives here. He may visit everywhere y'all are, but he lives here in North Carolina. Me and him about to get some biscuits after this service is over. But what I'm saying to you is, on my way here, I passed a sign in the sky. I don't know if it was real or if it was a vision from the Lord, but it said something like, Powerball, $1.9 billion. Is that what that said? Stop being so sick. Did it say $1.9 billion? Was that a B billion? Can we all pray for the Lord to give me that number right now? Lord, what is it? 27. Somebody write that down. 28. Write that down. If the Lord, if the Lord give it to you, especially if you're a tither, I'm praying right now. May the Holy Ghost give you that number. I need it right now. I command every one of y'all to go play that number. No, no, I can't say that. In the name of Jesus, that would be horrible. That would be so wonderful. No, no, that would be good. That would, that would be If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. What do you want me to do for you? I want that number. That's what I want. Lord, I just want, I just want that number. Oh, oh, I felt it. When I drove past that sign today, I felt the Holy Ghost. Anybody feel him? I knew it was going to be a great Sunday because I felt God. I said, does that say 1.9 billion? The devil is a liar. I claim that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
Then I got older, and I realized it was more than just confessing something. It was also that maybe blindness was not his only problem. I know you think that he's on the roadside begging just because he's blind, but I would suggest that if he had a good family like the prodigal son family, he wouldn't have been on the side of the road begging. So that means that there's been a lot of things that have gone wrong to lead him to the place where he's begging. Because if he had the right kind of family, he wouldn't be begging. So maybe, just maybe, for a minute, he had to calculate and prioritize what was the most important thing for the Lord to do for him. And I relate to that because if them doors cracked open and the Lord said, what do you want me to do? I'd have at least 10 things. And 10 is being nice. I might have to think, what do I need him to do first? Is this a one-shot deal? What do you want me to do for you? Maybe he had to think for a second, and then he said, actually, you could do this, you could do that. You could do this, and you could do But you know what? What I really want, I want to see. Because I realize that sight might change everything else that I think I'm dealing with. Maybe I think this is a problem, but it's because I can't see. And maybe what I'm dealing with that I think is a deal breaker is actually the very thing that will launch me to my next level. Now, I know I say this a lot because I'm a black preacher and I want this all the time, but I'm curious. Anybody have a testimony of that exact thing where there was something that you were about to ask God to do, and if he had done it, you would have missed the greater thing he had for you on the other side of it? Am I, am I the only one? I know I'm not. I know I'm not. I know I'm not. What I thought was a problem was actually the Lord making me uncomfortable. I read this article about eagles and how eagles build a nest really high and they initially make it with thorns. Thorns is what they make it with. They weave it out of thorns. Then they fill the inside of it with with soft stuff like pine needles and then feathers that they shed and feathers from other birds and animals they kill. They make the inside of it soft on a high place. Then they lay their eggs in there and they feed the babies. But when the babies mature, one of the things that the eagle does is destroys the inside of the nest and takes all of the soft stuff out. So every time the baby sits, it gets pricked 
and it gets punctured and it gets hurt. He makes, the mama makes a familiar place uncomfortable to make babies fly. Oh, I don't know who that is for right now. I speak that over this whole room right now. I know one of the reasons why I want to get out this building is because BPG just done made this place uncomfortable. If they made it too comfortable, you might never have left. Maybe what you see as around the layoffs is actually an opportunity for you to be a millionaire. I'm going to speak that right now over this whole room. Maybe you about to multiply supernaturally and you upset. You complaining about it. You going home talking about how raggedy your supervisor is when the truth of the matter is they weren't always this way. They weren't always like that. I don't know why that is. Maybe the Holy Ghost has ripped up the inside of your nest because you are not a chicken. You are an eagle. I've come to the understanding that there are several levels of sight. I'm down to five minutes, so I'm going to share them with you really quickly. Several levels of sight. The first level of sight is, can you see? If you're taking notes, can you see? That's the first level of sight. Can you see? Can you see? I've told the story before, how I always had great vision, then I got older, and then I can't see anymore. I need these glasses to see. All of a sudden, everybody just got clear. But when I get hot and I start sweating, they fog up, so I take them off. And right now, you're just a nice mass of colors. <laughs> some black, some white, some Spanish, some mixed, like me. Can't see y'all. Especially in the back. Can't say, is that, is that, is that, a, oh, hey. So the first question is, can you see? So it's a very important question. Can you even see at all? Can you recognize? That's the first level of sight. It's the first question of sight. Can you recognize? That's number one. Number two, what do you see? Just because you see it don't mean you know what it is. What is this? What is this? Some of y'all can't see it, exactly. They're like, I can't see it. What is this? What, this is some kind of vegetable. What is this? See, so just because you can see this don't mean you know what it is. No, I'm not telling you what it is. What is this? This is a tool. What is this? What does this tool do? Nope. So what I'm saying is, is you just saw two things that you don't know what they are. So just because you're looking at something doesn't mean that you are wise enough to define it. So it's what do you, it's can you see? I, if I asked you, can you see this? If I go close enough to the camera, if I ask you, can you see this? You can see it. But just because you can see it don't mean you know what it is. 
And so we have to be careful not to prematurely define stuff. Number three, can we correct bad vision? Can we correct bad vision? It's just a sight question. It's just a vision question. Can we actually correct bad vision? Is it possible for corrective lenses to get on you? Can you see things when they are small? That's a question. Can you see things when they are small? Some people can't see things when they're small. I remember when I was younger, I could just look at this fine print on here because this print tells me what that thing is. But I'm not going to tell anybody because somebody asked me. No, it's, it's called a banana flower. Banana flowers is what this is. And they gave me this history, and it says in here in some fine print what the banana history, banana flowers history is. Now, for me to read this, I need to move it into some light. I thought an older person would say amen with me on that. I, I used to be able to just read this, but now I, if when you get to the place where you're like, hold on, let me see, what is, what is on the back of this? What is in this? That means that sometimes small things, you can't see them. Just because you can't see something small doesn't mean that someone else can't see something that's small. Some people miss opportunities because they seem too small, because they can't see small things. Can you see things when they're far away? I can take my glasses off and still see the scriptures because I can see the scriptures close, but I can't see you all the way back there in the back. So I can, maybe I can see things small, but I can't see things far. And sometimes the farther things are bigger. Some people only take baby steps because they can only see baby steps. They can only see little stuff. They can't see big stuff. Try to show them something big and they can't see it because they don't have far sight. They have near sight. They don't have far sight. Can't see things far away. They can only see things now. Number four, what is the view from higher? We're talking about sight. What is the aerial view? What do your parents see? How much did you fight against that? What did your teachers see? How much did you fight against that? What did your mentors see? Do you even allow yourself to have mentors? What does God see? You can get to a point where you're so used to level sight that you're not used to aerial sight. One of the reasons why the enemy attacks us at a parental level 
and takes fathers away and mothers away and mature parents away is because he's trying to limit your sight to just the horizontal so that you can only see things from your level. Can't nobody with gray hair tell you nothing? Because if he can limit gray hair words, then he can affect your ability to see anything from higher. And if he can stop your aerial view, then he can cut you off from a word from God. So you only listen to your generation and what y'all are saying on TikTok and what y'all think right now and what y'all feel right now. So right now, y'all think that gender doesn't matter. But if you could see things from an aerial view, you would know that the Greeks got to a place where they thought gender didn't matter. And how did that work for them? The Romans got to a place where they thought gender didn't matter. And how did that work for them? Where is their empire? So now you are at a place where you want your pronouns defined because you only want to see things from your own limited, horizontal, generational view. It's not just them, it's all of y'all. Boomers are the same way. Boomers love to shake a VCH tape, a VCR tape at you and tell you this is the only way to see it. Because everybody loses the ability to gain an aerial view. And what they do is they bring God down to them so that God's view is not higher God's view is their view. But one of the ways you know if you can see is whether or not you can recognize the aerial view, not your low ground horizontal view. Number five. I'm over time, sorry. Number five. Can you agree with higher? What does higher see? And can you agree with it? Because sometimes higher sees and you don't agree. I told y'all one time I was going home and I put my GPS on, but then I decided to stop at a grocery store to get something. And I was in this particular town and I thought, oh, this town is near my house. So I'll just find my way. So I put the GPS on. The GPS told me to take a left and go back and get back on the highway. But I was like, I'm sure there's another way to get there through the city. So I took a right and went my own way. For a while, the GPS said, at the next possible moment, turn around and go back. I ignored that. At this next street, turn around and go back. When I first put the GPS on, I had 15 minutes to get to my house. But I knew because of the town I was in, and that town is next to the town I live in, I knew I was close. I was like, I ain't that far. And so I kept going my way at the next turnaround, 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 at the next turnaround. Finally, the GPS just said, fine. 
you win. Let me reroute for you. It rerouted, and I was 40 minutes from my house. That's us with God. God is saying at the next possible exit, repent. At the next possible exit, turn around and go back to where you came. And we just keep going our way. We refuse to agree with the satellite view. We just think we know better. And then we're mad when it took us 10 years to get to a place that it could have took us to. Can you agree with God? Number six, can you see what God sees? Because God has an aerial view. Then you have to agree with it. Then the next level is, can you see what God sees? Can you now get to a place where you don't even have to agree with him? You've gotten to a place where you're like, yeah, no, yeah, no, no I know exactly how the Lord is going to see that. I know exactly what the Lord was going to say, and you're right. Then the seventh thing is, can you see? Can you see? Because once you agree with God and then your sight adjusts to what God sees, now what has happened is that your sight has been changed and now there's something you can see that you couldn't see. Now you're ready for Revelations 21 because Revelations 21 says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the old heaven and the old earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I know this is John the Revelator talking about end times, but I would contend that this applies to now because if the Lord can ever adjust your sight, you'll see a new heaven. You'll see a new earth. You ask me, Pastor Andy, what do you see? I see a new heaven. I see a new earth because the old heaven and the old earth have passed away and there's no longer any separation. I see the holy city. I see, the, I see a world in which God is not disconnected from the common person. You want to know what my vision is? My vision is what I see, and I can't tell you everything I see. Because if I told you everything I see, you couldn't handle it. But I can tell you this. I see a new heaven and a new earth. I see a world in which what God has made in the heavens and what God has made in the earth are no longer separated so that they don't interact with one another. I see a voice saying, God's dwelling is with man, and he will wipe tears from your eyes. God will be their God, and they will be his people. When I think about Victory Park, when I think about when we leave from this place, I ask the Lord, 
Lord, what do I see? And the Lord gave me a vision that I'm hesitant to talk about because I don't want to get overly emotional in these last couple of minutes that I have your attention. But what I saw was an airport. And when I say an airport, I don't mean an actual physical airport. I mean I see a launching pad. When I look in this room, all I see are planes. All I see are people who are on their way somewhere great. And you're all about to fly. And some of you are about to take off. And some of you are waiting in line. Some of you, your flight has been delayed, but you're still on your way somewhere that you can't get there how you're going now. You're going to have to take off to get to where God has for you to go. Some of you, you are the plane and there are passengers waiting for you to take off because you're going to take people places they never would get to without you. I speak it over the whole room. I'm telling somebody in here that the enemy may delay you, but he can't stop your destiny. Oh, I speak it right now. I see flight. I see flight. Sure, we're going to have church there. Sure. Yes, but it's going to be a really a community center. It's going to be a place where we meet every week. But when I think about this need that I see, I see a place where everybody is empowered to get up above the mundane. I want everyone empowered to mount up on wings as eagles. I want us to build this place because all I see are runways to greatness. All I see is people coming on to the campus, not just to be there, sure they'll be there, sure the church will grow, sure they'll hear the word, but they'll get way more than that. They will get fuel for the destiny that God has for them in this thing called life. And they are going to find themselves someplace that they never would have thought that they could get there. What I see is too big to talk about in 30 minutes. What I see is a need for us to be set free. What I see is an opportunity for us to empower our own people to reach heights that they never would have reached. And I'm going to be sharing it with you more and more and more. As for now, 
we are on our way out of here because this place has served us as well as it can serve us. But that place around the corner, them 26 acres, that place we're about to develop, I need everybody to understand we're not really building a church. We are becoming developers. We are going to develop a piece of property, and God knows what's going to be on there. We know that our sanctuary is going to be on there, but if that's all you think we are go we're going to do, you got another thing coming. You have to realize that this Victory Park is way bigger than just a church home. Sure, we will no longer rent from this place. Sure, the nest has gotten uncomfortable and we're going to limit our time here as much as possible. But beloved, where we're going is a place where not only will people hear the word and receive the power of the scriptures and the Holy Ghost, but I want to put a sword in their hand so that they can know how to fight the battle of life so that they can become economically empowered, so they can become mentally the, the, the mentally empowered, so the, 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 um, the counseling center will be even bigger so that we can get everybody's mind right, so that we can get everybody's money right, so that we can do things we can't do on this property, economic fairs and black business expos and all the stuff that this place don't let us do no more so that when we get done shouting, we can take off and be great because there are kings and queens in this room that are still on the ground. But God sent me here to tell you this morning that it's time to fly. Put your hands together if you heard a word from the Lord. Come on, put your hands together if you heard a word from the Lord. Come on, put your hands together if you heard a word from the Lord. I need you to give this morning. I need you to give to the building fund. We're going to be taking building fund offerings. Donate towards Victory Park. If you take a picture of that QR code, scan it. And then you'll be able to give to Victory Park. We are actually in the process right now of making Victory Park its own separate entity in itself. There's going to be a difference between Victory Park and World Overcomers Christian Church, the church. Ultimately, my plan is for World Overcomers Christian Church to lease its space from itself. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you as you're giving, as you're, as you're giving? Right now you're giving to Victory Park, but I, I mean, I, it, it's, it, I, I, the reason why we're in the process of making this separation is that it'll all be us, but we're making this separation because we want people to be able to give to this development deal that won't necessarily give to a church. 
They'll be able to give to all of the community outreach and all of the lives that we're going to impact and all the black men that we're going to impact and all the black women that we're going to impact and all the lives that we're going to change and all the lives that we're going to impact and without having to feel like they're giving just to the church. And so right now when we say take this QR code, you're making a donation to Victory Park, you are making a donation to Victory Park, it's still a tax deductible thing, but, but Victory Park and World Overcomers, they're the same, but they're not. I don't want to get too deep into it, but you understand what I'm saying to you, that we have got to start to do this in a very intelligent way, and we're having those kinds of conversations, but the, from the gymnasiums to the, the sportsplex to the stuff that's on the outside to the things on the inside for, for children, for, for children's children, for, for, for mamas, for all of it, from the schools, from all of those things, the counseling center, all of the pieces of it that aren't necessarily world overcomers having service on Sunday we will have service there on Sunday and that space will be our church but that whole space will also be used during the week for other things I see it as a light in the dark place I see it like an airport that never shuts down I see it as a place where anybody can be launched to their destiny. If you think that we're only going to help Christians from Victory Park, you have another thing coming. In my estimation, the reason why the Lord saved us is to save the world. Can I make you clap for that? Can I make you clap for that? Because when I look at the earth, as a 54-year-old man, when I look at the earth, I see the heavens in a new way, and I see the earth in a new way. When I see the earth, especially when I look at the people that look like me, and I see everybody, and I know there's white people and black, even I go to this church, and I, and I love it, but you'll have to love me. I'm a black man. When I see my people, and I see where we are, It is time, gentlemen, gentlemen, it is time, more than ever. I think the, the thing that if you're just giving, if, uh, please online, I'm going I'm to let you go. It's a little after 12. Game don't start till 1. Game starts at 1 o'clock, and you all have DVR, so we're almost done. But, but believe me, I want to watch the game too. But gentlemen, when, I, when you see me, when you look at me, if I don't look happy, if I, if I look like I'm in anguish, if I look like I'm upset, if I look like I'm stressed, if I look like I'm bothered, and if you wonder what still drives me. Gentlemen, the thing that drives me is that when I came to North Carolina in 2002 and started World Overcomers in 2003, what I was asking God for was 10,000 men. That's what I asked God for. When I told you, you need to know specifically what you want from the Lord, I knew specifically what I wanted from the Lord. I wanted 10,000 men. I wanted World Overcomers to be a man's church. The reason why you see men standing right now with me in blue and black and men everywhere and there's only jobs we only let men do is because 
I felt very clearly from the Lord that we have let women do all the heavy lifting in our community and all the heavy lifting in the family and all of the heavy lifting in the world. And my sisters, no shade meant, but it's not working. We have done you a disservice. You'll have to forgive us and forgive the men who look like us who hurt you. But gentlemen, it is time for us to lead. Gentlemen, can you clap with me? Gentlemen, it's time for us to lead. Time for us to be strong. Time for us to lead. It's time. Because quite honestly, I believe every single problem that we have in our community can be answered quite simply by more solid, together men. And I was asking God for 10,000 men. I've never seen 10,000 men. And so I'm going to keep believing God until we get to 10,000 men because God can do it. If it bothers you that I say World Overcomers is a men's church, I hear you, sweetheart. But can I tell you the truth? When I have 10,000 men, believe me. I need a word. Believe me. When we get there, maybe this Victory Park's where we're going to have it. When I have my 10,000 men, believe me, women are going to be like, girl, where you going? Oh, girl. World, um, 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 10,000 men, girl. But gentlemen, what has happened to us and the conspiracy against us. We have to cry out to God. And all of you that are with us, if you don't look like us, then you have to cheer for us because God is the God of the oppressed. And we are an oppressed group. And just because you're in the palace doesn't mean that your brother isn't still in the field. You have a responsibility to one another. Can I make you clap for that? Can I make you clap for that? When I see Victory Park, I see jobs. I see opportunities. I see jobs. I see jobs for men who look like me that society has decided to throw away. When I see Victory Park, I see a place that's a light in the darkness. I see a place where a man can walk on and get guidance counseling and get spiritual counseling and get soulish counseling. I see a place where women can get guidance counseling and social, spiritual counseling and soul counseling. I see a place where children can be impacted I see a place where people are so attracted to the fruit that they want to know about this Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I go into a nice jewelry store, the prices are always hidden. That prices are always hidden. 
always trying to see the price. They never sell you the price. They sell you the stone. They tell you how beautiful the stone is, how clear the stone is, and how white the stone is, how awesome the stone is. And then once you're sold on the stone, then they tell you the price. And this Jesus, the stone that the builders rejected, we told you what the price was before you t we told you how great the stone is. And then we mad at the world for not wanting to pay the price for the stone when we never told them how great the stone was. Our job now is to get this community to realize what an awesome stone, what a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear and to not condemn them for not taking a stone that they never knew was so great. We know that he's the stone. But we got to get them to see it. And we're not going to get them to see it by judging them. We have to love them. Because they are blind from birth. But the devil is a liar. So I need your help. I'm 54. I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to the kingdom of God. It's always been dedicated, but I've dedicated the rest of my life to the people of God, but even more to my people. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound any overly kind of way. And I love all nationalities and all colors, and I'm all over the world. I'm starting to travel around the world. Praise God for that. But my cry is for God's people. So I need your help. So I need you to dig down as deep as you can. I need you to drink less coffee. I need you to do your own hair. I need your heels to be rough. It's okay. It's about to be winter. You're going to wear boots. Don't nobody need to see your feet. And any man that is mad about your feet ain't no real man because don't nobody care about feet when them clothes come off anyway. All I'm saying to you is I need some of your feet money. I need some coffee money. I need some Chick-fil-A money. I definitely need some of that Chick-fil-A money. I buy Chick-fil-A in the name of Jesus. They close on Sunday because they don't need it after all week. But I'm just saying, I need some of your lunch. I need you to give. We're going to come together. We're going to do something great for God. And I'm not expecting just you to do it. I want you to know, I'm not just expecting you to do it. I'm making connections and contacts. I'm having conversations with government officials. I'm having conversations with corporate sponsors. I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm not just looking for just you all to do it. It's going to be something that we're going to do together. It's going to be a great thing for God. And we're all going to come together if you'll help me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask you to bless this offering. Multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For not is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. God bless you as you give. If you can just let the, these faithful men, these faithful gatekeepers, 
pass these buckets. Gentlemen, if you see the same gatekeepers serving multiple, multiple times, it's because we need more gatekeepers. And so, gentlemen, can I ask you, it don't take much to put on a blue shirt. We don't need you to have a theological degree. You don't have to have everything all together. We just need you to not be a thief. As long as you're not like, ooh, a 20. As long as that's you, gentlemen, we need you to put on a shirt. I would love it if these men don't have to serve every week and guys are serving, and I appreciate all of the men that serve with me so faithfully. It's important for us to show strength. 48% of our church has been men, and I want that to continue to be the case. But I, I, if you want to volunteer, it's so simple. When you're leaving today, just say to the connected to connection center i want to volunteer i want to i want to be a part and believe me there are men in the lobby there's guys out there that are looking for you stacy all there they're out there looking for you invite someone to church invite a man to church when a man comes to church everybody got to go did you know that did you know that when a man comes to church everybody got to go Men don't go to church without everybody else at the house. Amen. Women go to church and take the kids and pray for that heathen man. But when a man goes to church, everybody got to go. But we're needed. That's the need I see. That's the need I see. And I'm far from perfect, but I'm forgiven. Anybody forgiven? Anybody forgiven? I'm forgiven. So if you're forgiven, you're in the right place. Okay, jump on your feet. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank and praise you and honor you for our time together. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. Thank you for a word. Thank you for sight. Open our eyes so that we can see. Lead us and guide us into truth. Dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Thank you for everyone that was with us in the room. Thank you for everyone watched around the world. Have your way in us. And let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. You're our rock. You're our redeemer. We love you. In Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. God bless you. Greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Thanks for coming to church. Thanks for tuning in with us. See you next Sunday. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.